personal views and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are their own and are not legal advice or official statements by their organizations. Hello, my name is Debbie Reynolds. They call me the Data Diva. This is the Data Diva Talks Privacy Podcast, where we discuss data privacy issues with industry leaders around the world with information that businesses need to know now. I have a special guest on the show, uh, Cameron Carey. He's the former general counsel and secretary of the U.S. Department of Commerce in the Obama administration. He's a, a Ann R. Andrew H. Tisch Distinguished Visiting Fellow at the Brookings Institution, Center for Technology and Innovation, and the MIT Media Labs. He's a speaker, writer, thought leader on privacy, security, and technology policy. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Debbie. It's great to be joining you today. Yeah. Well, we had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, actually, I followed your career for many years, so it was a pleasure for me to meet you. Uh, you and I spoke on a panel at um, the Berkeley Forum recently, and uh, we hit it off, and we thought it'd be great for you to be able to be on the show, and especially because there are a lot of things uh, in the oven uh, before midterm elections in the U.S. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, so thank you for being on the show. Uh, well, thank you, Debbie. I'm flattered by by your interest. But I, you know, yeah, there is a lot going on. I think it's a reflection of really how mainstream privacy uh, has become to uh, to issues, government, public policy over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think you're in a, a unique position. In fact, I don't know anyone else in the U.S. that has really had the type of past that you've had. So you have, you know, deep roots in in public, um, public office, you know, government and private practice, uh, academia, you know, thought leadership and think tanks and stuff like that. So I think you have just a unique perspective that a lot of people don't have about privacy. And I'm, I, I don't know, I feel like you, um, you know, for many years, there were just n- not a lot happening on privacy. Now there's just so much excitement and so many things happening. So tell me a little bit about why privacy is such an important issue to you and your trajectory, your career, how you got here. Uh, well, thanks, Debbie. It's yeah, I've I've thought about that question because uh, you know as I write uh, and as I uh, engage in uh, sort of public public out. Uh, advocacy and outreach uh, on this. I certainly think about all right. Why? Why is privacy important? Um, uh, you know, why should we care? Why do we care about this issue? Um, and I think it, you know, it comes from my mind from a lot of things. I mean, I I grew up as a child of the '60s and '70s when. You know, we had uh, uh, the surveillance uh, of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, we had the surveillance of, of uh, you know, the anti-war movement. That, that was something that I was engaged in. And, and you know, my brother, John Kerry, was a national leader in that and was the subject of surveillance. Um, you know, I remember being in one of the 
important uh, anti-war events in Washington with hundreds of thousands of people there where he spoke um, and being in a park with, with him afterwards. And, you know, he uh, went off for a walk with his, his wife and seeing what about were just a bunch of obvious uh, undercover uh, policemen or uh, agents uh, going off after them. Um, uh, so I'm certainly uh, grew up conscious of of you know the of the risks of government surveillance. Uh, um, so you know, in law school, uh, it's a subject that that I was interested in, and my my practice uh, in in law I was always involved in communications, uh, cable TV broadcast, uh, telecommunications, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, technology driven. Um, that is, you know, was conscious of you know, the opportunities to collect. Data and and you know those are areas that have early uh, privacy law. You know when I joined the Obama administration in in two thousand and nine, uh, I went uh, with with a sense that we needed to address uh, privacy uh, and security as part of sustaining the digital economy. I was aware of how much data uh, is uh, is out there, how much that was. Increasing with uh, uh, digital technology, and then the advent of mobile phones. Uh, I think none of us quite grasped then, and I think even today don't grasp fully how much uh, that that data has has exploded. I am, uh, but you know, we set out to build trust in digital. Uh, the digital economy. Um, that is very much unfinished business today. I, uh, I, I hope to see that happen. And to, to your point about, about some obvious agents, you know, following uh, your brother, John Kerry, you know, now you don't need humans following you. You have digital devices that track you everywhere, right? <laughs> uh, well, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in, uh, a lot of our laws based on on 18th century concepts, and, and you know, so the the courts talk about what the constable can do. Um, uh, in you know, funny these Supreme Court opinions. Uh, I mean, who knows what a constable is today? But that's that's the language that the opinions use. Well, you know, the constable um, could not engage in 24 by seven. Uh, surveillance. Um, uh, and so we see the Supreme Court saying, you know, yeah, putting uh, putting a location tracker on a car um, uh, you know, is is goes beyond the kind of surveillance that you could do tailing somebody. Um, uh, so, you know, that takes uh, a warrant. The same thing with getting location data. So, you know, we, we are adapting, but uh, we have a lot more to do. I agree with that. Um, 
I want your thoughts. So there, there's a lot brewing or has been brewing over the years with the the Cloud Act. And we recently saw, well, two, two things are happening. One is uh, the U.S. and the U.K., their data access agreement just went into force. Um, and then we are right on the, the, the cusp of having the new uh, transatlantic data privacy framework between the EU and the U.S. be passed. What, what are your thoughts about that whole brew of what's happening around data transfer uh, internationally between the U.S. and, you know, the U.K. and the EU? Um, well, it, it, Debbie, it's it's a big uh, question that that covers covers a lot of ground. Um, but uh, in general, uh, in this day and age where we are linked by uh, you know an internet that that operates uh, at light speed and transfers data ar- around the world. Uh, the the ability to do that is essential to the value of of that communications network and and you know, it's not just uh, a value for the providers it provides value net you know network connections uh, uh, to all of us it's it's part of uh, what brings the world together um, in many different ways. Uh, um, economically, socially, uh, politically, um, uh, and you know, also in uh, in adverse ways. I mean, we see that uh, in you know the speed with which disinformation moves. But you know, we need to we need to preserve the benefits of that connectivity um, and deal with with you know some of the the risks. Well. One of the you know, important benefits um, uh, is you know, our dealings with the European Union. You know that is the biggest trading relationship in the world, uh, and accounts for you know, almost half of the, the global economy. Um, both sides really depend on those data flows and communications, but you know the Europeans have. Uh, their privacy laws uh, uh, that provide strong protections, and they they want to make sure that that the protections are uh, comparable or what they call essentially equivalent uh, on on the American side. So, you know, uh, and the European Court of Justice has twice now struck down arrangements to enable that, um, mostly because of uh, the surveillance that was uh, revealed by um, uh, by Edward Snowden. Um, and there is a perception, uh, I think, that that surveillance is more all-pervasive than, you know, as much as the U.S. government can do. Um uh, you know, it's it's not as all knowing um, uh, as as the perception uh, goes. The U.S. has placed some strong limits uh, around how we collect uh, uh, foreign intelligence, uh, you know, as well as 
the due process protections that we have under our constitution for uh, you know for uh, you know against uh, uh, the government collecting information. Um, uh, those that don't extend or, you know, under our constitution to people outside the United States. But you know, President Obama in 2014 issued an executive order that extends protections to people outside the United States comparable to those uh, uh, that, that we as American citizens have um, uh, and puts in place some, some procedures uh, uh, to guarantee that and make sure that there's oversight, make sure that, that you know, people can bring uh, complaints um, but the court said that didn't go, uh, wasn't independent enough, uh, uh, didn't, you know, ensure, uh, you know, some judicial redress. So it, the new executive order, I expect, will, um, uh, you know, will set up, uh, will go further in terms of the protections uh, for people outside the U.S. and will set up uh, a body with judicial powers that is independent uh, that that you know can protect the privacy rights of people out outside the US uh, uh, as we protect those inside the US um so i'm hopeful that that will stand up to what i'm sure will be another another round of litigation in the EU thank you the issues of government access uh, that you raised with with the Cloud Act are, are are related, but a different issue. But it's it all comes from you know all of that digital connectivity and increasingly uh, governments uh, that you know are looking for evidence in criminal cases uh, need to go someplace else, including outside national borders uh, to get that evidence. Um, that evidence needs to be governed by rules, due process, uh, uh, you know, like we have if you are getting that in the United States. Um, uh, and the Cloud Act sets up a mechanism for people to go and get evidence outside the United States but provides for you know, reciprocal protections with other countries. So U.S.-U.K. agreement uh, um, essentially says, okay, you know, the U.S. can go, can you know, get, have, have a process to get evidence that you know has uh, has judicial review and you know pro standards. Uh, 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 yeah, has has probable cause standards uh, like we have it in the U.S. Um, and that the U.K. can do the same with the same kinds of procedural guarantees. And I think, you know, this is a way of sort of leveling up the standards, uh, uh, you know, across uh, the, the U.S. and like-minded countries. I, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk about this over the years, a lot of concern there. Um, I think there there are two 
streams of thought here. So one is companies, you know, they just want to do business and transact stuff and they don't really want to be involved in, you know, anything having to do with surveillance or, you know, have the government bust in or whatever. So that's part of the frustration. But then also, you know, needing to have some type of mechanism that deals with, you know, law enforcement um, uh, situations where data may be needed. So I think these agreements, in my view, not only clarify how those processes should work, but then hopefully will give people who are doing commerce, uh, have them feel a bit more comfortable with those data transfers. No, I think think that's right. Um, You know, I think when it comes to the the dealing with the government, uh, uh, I think businesses just want to know what the rules are. Um, and to, to try to comply with with those rules. So I think having a common set of rules, uh, you know, with the United States, with Europe, with the United Kingdom, uh, and other democratic countries will help that. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about... Um the the ADPPA, so the American Data Privacy Protection Act, which was introduced in June of uh, 2022. So I know this is a topic you like to talk about. I've read a lot of your work uh, uh, on this topic. I think we have a slight difference of opinion. I guess we come, we can talk about that. It'd be a fun debate, I guess. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the the ADPPA and why it is well. We, we know we need legislation federally, right? But but there's a fight and a squabble happening right now. And I think especially for our, our not only our national, but our international audience, they like to know why can't we get this thing done? <laughs> uh, uh, so, what's your thoughts uh, here? Well, it's uh, it's unfinished business for me, Debbie. I, mean, I, I led the Obama administration's work on uh, uh, you know, privacy uh, policy and proposal called the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights, which included uh, uh, having national legislation. And it, it went out uh, you know, under Barack Obama's signature. It's the first time that a president of the United States has called for national comprehensive privacy legislation. Ten years later, we still don't have that uh, because I think it, it – what didn't wasn't enough of a political uh, priority for people on Capitol Hill, um, and certainly not enough uh, to overcome some of the opposition that was out there among businesses that you know, didn't want didn't want people messing with their business models. Um, but you know, ten years later, after you know. Uh, Edward Snowden and the demonstration of just you know, how much data is available out there, um, a succession of data breaches, uh, um, you know, Sony Equifax, uh, um, you know, the, the uh, and yeah, a succession of data uh, breaches, uh, you know, including. Uh, High-profile ones like Sony and and Equifax, um, and then of course the Cambridge Analytica 
revelations, which really brought it home because so many people are on Facebook. And, you know, this wasn't just the government. This was the commercial sector. So those all of those things, I think, just injected steroids into uh, into this debate. And we've had, I think, over the last four years, uh, a pretty serious debate. Um, and you know, it's, you can be cynical sometimes about Congress, but they've actually done some serious, uh, work on this. I mean, people were laughing back uh, when they called Mark Zuckerberg in and uh, some of the questions that, that members of Congress were asking, they've learned a lot since then. And, gotten pretty sophisticated about uh, privacy issues, and that's reflected in the ADPPA. Uh, The most important thing that it does is to put some boundaries around uh, the collection and use and sharing of data. And that is the thing that has been lacking to this point and has been lacking in most other privacy legislation, uh, both proposals in Congress and the state bills uh, that that are out there. I'm, uh, you know, for years, we've operated on the system of notice and consent. We all deal with this, right? You get those check boxes or, or you know, things that inform you about cookies and just say, you know, I consent. Um, but those don't really do anything to control the, the information that, that companies can collect. Just because somebody has a privacy policy doesn't mean they're actually protecting your privacy. Um, uh, and you know, right now under that system, they get to set the rules. The privacy policy it defines what they're going to collect, how they're going to use it, who they're going to share it with. Um, well, companies write those policies and um, nobody reads them. Um, they are very broad. Um, and, you know, I look at, I spend a lot of time with, you know, people who are privacy geeks like me um, uh, and who will say, look, I don't read those policies. I don't understand them when I read them. Uh, they're meaningless to me. So how the hell is uh, a, a you know, this average non-technical person supposed to uh, deal, deal with that? So what we need is a system where people can trust that their information is going to be used in ways that is consistent with their privacy interests, with their other interests, with their expectations, with their dealings with the company and not just being distributed out there in in the wild. So having a law that puts some boundaries that says you can use data for for purposes that, that, you know, are reasonable and proportionate for, in order to provide a service or a product, um, you can use it for certain other specified purposes like security, like customer service. Um, but, you know, you can't sell sensitive information like health information, like, like you know, uh, 
sexual preference, uh, uh, other uh, other things that that you know we treat very very carefully without somebody's consent. Um, that would limit uh, the data brokerage. That would protect location information. That's you know so important to to reproductive freedom. Um, and you know all of uh, all of that information is sensitive. Right now, in the system that we have, it gets spread around. There are you know apps, um, data brokers that collect that information. You know, put your phone number together with strings of location data um, and other information about you. Cambridge Analytica said it had five about five thousand data points on two hundred million Americans. Uh, um, you know, we need to shrink that down. And the ADPPA is the first bill that would really have an impact on those those data practices. Yeah. So so yeah, let's talk about California. Uh, and I think this is where our, our differences may lie here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so California is, is a state, right? Uh, one of many states. Uh, they're very progressive though. Um, in privacy and have been for a long time. So I think, you know, my thoughts, well, well, we know that uh, Nancy Pelosi, she's a speaker of the house. We know that the California delegation is very against the ADPPA because they don't want a lot of changes happening in what they're doing. And and California for me, is not just any state. So, um, you know, it's the most, as you know, it's the most populous state in the U.S., you know, uh, 13 of every 100 people in the U.S. is a Californian. Um, they have had privacy as a fundamental human right in their constitution for over 50 years. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted, you know, like privacy policies in general, you know, that those things were, they were the pioneer in that. So I, I can see how California has done this work and they're very protective of what they're doing. And I understand why, they oppose this bill. So I, I don't think it's that they don't feel that the U.S. needs a federal privacy law. They just don't want that. They want to make sure that a federal privacy law is a floor, not a ceiling. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, uh, two things. Uh, I mean, I, uh, first, I, I think uh, that uh, the ADPPA is a much stronger bill than uh, California's uh, uh, CCPA. Um, uh, And that's first and foremost uh, for the reasons uh, that I just described, that that, California is still rooted in that notice and choice model. The fundamental thing that, that CCPA is about is the ability to opt out of of targeted advertising and out of having your data sold. But what data is collected um, uh, and how it is shared uh, subject to that opt-out is defined by the privacy policy. So you still got the companies making the rules. uh, so you know that's that's the first thing, and and but you know the most fundamental thing when it comes to uh, protecting 
people's privacy. So you know, I think it is worth, um, uh, you know, in order to have that kind of protection, um, worth and having that protection for everybody in the United States and having stronger protection for people in California than they have today, uh, you know, to have a national law that sets a single national standard and preempts. You know, we are dealing here with uh, the internet. That is, you know, if anything was ever internet, interstate commerce, um, you know, in our commercial world, it is that. Um, uh, and, and Congress regulates that. And people ought to be able to have a single standard, a single set of expectations, um, uh, regardless of uh, where they are or where they travel to. Um, so I think there are, there are a lot of advantage to consumers in having that kind of, of single standard. Um, other ways that, that the ADPPA is stronger in California, it has protections, uh, uh, you know, extend civil rights protections to the use of personal information in ways that, that, discriminate on the basis of race, sex, and other protected categories. Um, that is new ground in privacy. Um, it includes uh, uh, you know, protections relating to the use of algorithms and you know, having companies, large companies, do algorithmic impact assessments, having every company do uh, some kind of assessment. Um, it also covers sectors that are not covered by the California law, um, you know, including extending at least baseline privacy protections to small businesses. There's you know, there's Nick, uh, California carves out small businesses uh, altogether, um, carves out uh, uh, sectors uh, like healthcare, um, so. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of stronger protections, and it's an advantage uh, to have those protections uh, for people in California um, and for everybody, every man, woman, and child across the United States. Very passionate about this. Uh, uh, interesting thing. So the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is against the ADPPA. Uh, their reasoning, though, is very unique. Um, and I agree with it a little bit. Okay. So one of their reasonings behind them being against it is because it doesn't preempt laws like the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act, <clears throat> which we know is a general applicability type of law. So what, what are your thoughts about when people say things like that in terms of preemption? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, I think uh, on... You know, there's there's some sensitive line drawing being done here. Um, you know, we with colleagues at the Brookings Institution a couple of years ago, uh, we outlined uh, a sort of grand grand bargain around um, you know both preemption of state laws and private rights of action. Um, that's I think very much been kind of the model that, that people have followed in the ADPPA and other bills. Um, part of that involves some preemption, kind of not 
instead of doing a sort of black or white either or approach, uh, um, you know, where you either you know, leave all state laws in place or you preempt all state privacy laws. And that's kind of where the state, where the debate started out. Um, so the Chamber of Commerce and businesses were saying, no, 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 you just got to preempt the field. Well, that would wipe out a uh, hundred years of state privacy laws and some of the things that you were talking about in California and other places. So instead, you take a jigsaw um, and you leave a number of, of laws in place. I think, look, if I were making the decision, I probably would include the Illinois Biometric Privacy Prevention Act in, uh, in what is preempted. But our proposal also allowed for states to states and municipalities uh, uh, to to deal with biometric things like uh, you know, surveillance cameras uh, in public places. So, you know, so you're regulating the streets and and other things. Um, uh, you know, we do need to leave some of that play for. For state laws, um, uh, you know, part of that trade-off too was was allowing people to bring private lawsuits, but you know, really making sure that those having some filters that make sure that that those states have those uh, part of that involved, uh, you know, allowing uh, private litigation. But you know, having some filters that ensure that those cases uh, have merit, uh, that you don't get kind of nuisance cases uh, coming in that, that, that you know, end up benefiting uh, class action lawyers uh, uh, without really benefiting the public and at the expense of, uh, of businesses. What what are your, what's happening right now in the world with technology that's concerning you the most around privacy? Uh, around privacy, um, you know, I think it is. Uh, I think Debbie, what I think is concerns me uh, the most is uh, what's called ad tech. You know, the the platforms that support online privacy um you know i believe that that there is value in advertising and i've been in a way a political activist engaged in campaigns and appreciate you know the importance of being able to reach your audience um and i think that's that is true in the commercial sector as 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 well so you know, being able to, uh, you know, promote promote products, services uh, is important to the economy. But what we are seeing is incredibly intrusive. And and the problem is that, you know, you have, I mean, the way that, that online advertising works uh, um, is, you know, there are these systems of what's called real-time bidding. Um, uh, we're literally in a matter of microseconds. If you are online on a site, uh, um, 
you know, that that conveyed the subject uh, uh you know, the target of, of ads that are sold in in microseconds based on whatever their characteristics they're able to identify about you. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is supposedly not identifying to specific people. Um, uh, they've been out, there are ways of tracking that, that don't do that, but, but a lot of that information is so leaky. So, some information gets exchanged in those those microsecond transactions of selling the ad. And then people are able to collect that. And then they're able to aggregate that information um, with other databases. And then all of a sudden, whatever that search was, uh, uh, whatever that product uh, ad may have clicked on, um, you know, gets ends up with data brokers and and you know correlated with a lot of other information about you um uh and you know that becomes becomes connected and essentially and that's part of how our data is just getting spread out in the wild uh, um and you know, the reason the reason that we need those limits uh, on collection use and and sharing um so but it's you know advertising is incredibly complicated i mean you know i've uh, uh i've spent uh, a lot of time talking to people in in ad tech uh, going getting briefed on developments in in ad tech uh, systems um, and I find it bewildering. Um, so, you know, it's an area where I think to realize the benefits of advertising, um, but to, uh, you know, to protect people's privacy, protect that data from being used uh, uh, in ways that are you know, against your interests, against our interests, uh, as individuals, um, we need a better system. So I actually think that that you know, this is a place where the ADPPA could do better. Um, you know, by having the Federal Trade Commission uh, do rulemaking in this area to help define the boundaries. So you know what what's good targeting, what's bad targeting. So you know you don't want the stuff that's going to reveal. Uh, somebody's uh, sec- sexual identity in most circumstances, but uh, sometimes that may be right. Or if you know you you're you're a uh, you know you're trying to if you are trying to sell uh, you know cosmetics for dark skin, you do want to be able to to reach people of color. Uh, and you know that's that's probably a benign use. So you know we need to we need to have the the right balance here. Um, and I think an agency that you know can delve into ad tech uh, and explore these norms with some boundaries established by Congress is the right way to go. 
What What are your thoughts on kind of human versus consumer privacy? So a lot of the things that we're talking about in the U.S., a lot of it is around consumer privacy, not really human privacy. So do you think that we can bridge that gap, especially like, you know, the FTC currently, even though they have a lot of power within the U.S., um, you know, they don't regulate all industries and things like that. So I think what people want is more human rights, definitely consumer rights, right? But also more human rights. So do you think we'll ever be able to bridge that gap in the U.S.? Um, you know, I think we're getting there, Debbie. Look, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think our privacy is a fundamental human right. It touches on things that are basic to us as as individuals, uh, to our identities, our autonomy, our relationships, uh, um, and privacy is something that enables all of that, enables us to formulate uh, our thoughts about, you know, politics, love, whatever. Um, uh, and, you know, that's, that's what we should be protecting. Uh, you know, when, when I talked about some of the work we did at the Brookings Institution on sort of privacy legislation and, and the way forward, we actually took some of the proposals and, you know, pieced them together and cut and paste and, and adjusted things and uh, into a model bill. Um, uh, and called it the Information Privacy Act um, for exactly a lot of the reasons that you are talking about, and and you know, talked about individuals, not consumers. Um, the ADPA PPA actually does some of that in the sense mm -hmm. it talks about individuals. It mm -hmm. extends the coverage of some sectors that that have been excluded um you know some of this is unavoidable because of the way our system works i mean congress regulates interstate commerce um and that's that's what the federal trade commission is is there for so um you can't avoid the the consumer context entirely and and certainly much of the data collection that goes on occurs in it, that context mm -hmm. but you know we still have to keep an eye out on what the objectives are here yeah so if it were the world according to cameron and we did everything you said what would be your wish for privacy anywhere in the world whether it be law, technology, human stuff, what are your thoughts? Um, look, my number one wish uh, is you know to finish that business that I started on when I joined the Obama administration in two thousand and nine, which is to have a you know comprehensive, strong privacy legislation, comprehensive legislation in the United States. Um, and I think, you know, that, that would have an impact on, on the world. I mean, right as it is today, uh, there are 151 countries that I think it is that, that, you know, have comprehensive privacy protection laws, including China. 
Um, you know, that's it's it's mostly about protection from companies, not from the government, which uh, you know can collect uh, anything and everything that it wants, and and certainly does that. Um, but you know, the United States has become the outlier. Um, we should be leading in this area. We have you know a long history of privacy protection. I mean, it can, in a real sense, you know, privacy uh, as a legal concept was invented in the United States. You know, we have Bill of Rights, which protects uh, uh, you know papers and effects and and you know your your thought, your religion, uh, your expression. Um, uh, and you know, so and and we've protected that you know from the beginning of our country. Um, uh, and you know, the right to privacy as a legal concept was originated and you know by Louis Brandeis and what's probably the most famous law review article ever in 1890. And you know, there's a lot of law that's built up around that. Um, the Europeans like to claim credit for the first comprehensive data protection law um, in the state of Hessen in Germany uh, in 1970. Well, in 1970, uh, we adopted the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the, you know, the first national uh, law. And many of the, the fair information practices that are a foundation of privacy today, and including you know, a foundation for European privacy law, um, come out of work that was done in the U.S. government in the 1970s. So, you know, I, when I say it was, you know, privacy was made in the USA, there's, uh, there is a background there. But we've, we've kind of abdicated uh, our leadership over the past 30 years. So, you know, if we can step up, uh, um, you know, I think we regain uh, you know, some some moral credibility that can help on 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 many fronts. And I think what happens, uh, uh, you know, with data flows and surveillance coming out of the U.S. EU agreement, I think you know, advances international norms on government uh, transparency. And limits on surveillance uh, um, and and rights uh, of people who are subject to surveillance, and you know, there's, there's an increasing amount of discussion about that around the world. Um, there's discussion uh, underway about how to deal with artificial intelligence and how do we uh, should we regulate that. Uh, I think it is hard for the United States to engage in all of those discussions without having comprehensive protections in the commercial sector. So uh, our credibility is at stake. I think you know if we could get that done, we can help to advance discussion around the world on privacy.
I agree with that. A resounding agreement for me on we that. are in violent <laughs> agreement again. Just like we were we were in violent agreement in Berkeley. Uh, we are today. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. I think this will be very instructive for the audience. And I'm thrilled and it's such an honor to have you on the show. Um, I'd love for us to be able to find ways we can collaborate together in the future. That would be great. Well, thank you so much, Cameron. I thank really appreciate you. it. All right. <laughs> good to see you. All right. Good to see you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.